Hi, I'm JB Owen and welcome to Zen Mama's Everyday Guru. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited, ecstatic really today to have my guest on, JB Owens to Zen Mom and Everyday Gurus. And thank you all for being here, for coming back, for showing up. I appreciate you so much. And I think you are going to be so glad you did today um, because we have just an amazing soul here. And let me just tell you a little bit about JB and then we can just launch into this amazing conversation that I know we're gonna share today. She has so many things, but let me just sprinkle a few of those things in. She is, to begin with, a a fearless female leader She is a powerful and highly successful businesswoman. She is an international best-selling author, the founder and CEO of Ignite Publishing, where she brings authors and writers and change makers together to impact humanity in a positive way. And I am so lucky to have been a part of that, which we'll talk about today. She's really like, I see her as a teacher and a coach that just inspires others just by being who she is. And how she shows up in the world is just such a great example of that as she helps others to find their gifts and go after their dreams. It's so inspiring. She's a visionary for sure. And she's a mother and she's a partner and she's a human doing this journey with the rest of us. And what I see also is someone that pushes her edges and moves into the discomfort and finds her resilience and her light and it just gets brighter and then she just shines it on the path for others. It's been truly moving to have her in my life for the last four or five months as I've been on the Ignite journey and to just see how she is really just showing us a way that we have an option to be as we move through the world. So JD, welcome. Mm, Thank you so much for a beautiful, beautiful intro. And I just want to shine back on you the incredible work that you're doing, showing up for everybody and birds of a feather flock together. So Mm. thank you so much for being you. Oh, thanks, JB. And so we have so many things. Um, As I as I mentioned briefly, I and everyone that follows my podcast knows I've been on this writing journey through Ignite who has you know, validated that I am a writer and I have a story worthy of, of writing and sharing. And, um, and just to be able to find my way through that with this beautiful group of, of women being led by, by you and this process that you've developed, um, that just like, it's so easy to walk through there and just like make it happen. And, and it happens like pow. And so um, thank you a, a million times over for that. And what I'd really love to share is is anything that wherever this conversation goes, I always say is where it was meant to go. Um, Yeah. But maybe we'll begin with like, we've we've talked a little bit about your journey and wherever you'd like to sort of start to say how you got to be where you are today, like backtracking a little bit into um, where this journey began for you. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to share. I, you know, like everyone, I think it starts when you're a kid, you have this idea of what you want. I always saw my life um, making people not laugh, but making people feel good. I I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say laugh because I I didn't feel like a comedian, but I always wanted people to feel good. I always wanted Mm -hmm. people to feel cherished. And maybe it's from the feeling of lack of feeling cherished as a kid myself or not feeling seen and heard. Uh, I was a very unique kid, very different. 
saw life through a very different lens, Hmm. you know, got in trouble in certain ways, but just was always pushing the boundaries, wanted to be different, eclectic, unique, uh, wanted to look different, dress different, show up different. I remember in grade four, I wanted to wear white gloves to school like the queen. And so I literally went to school wearing (laughs) white gloves and I wanted to do all my schoolwork with white gloves on. And the teacher told me I wasn't allowed. And I Mm. literally said like, why, why not? Like, where does it say I'm not allowed? Like, Mm. show me where I literally in grade four, I'm like, show me where it says I'm not allowed to wear white gloves to school. And of course my parents were called in and blessings to my mom, because she said like, why can't she wear Mm. white gloves to school if she wants to, act like she's, you know, whatever, like it's a phase. And I remember my mom saying, everything is a phase. Kids go through phases. We all go through phases. Life is a phase. People are struggling. It's a phase. We're having a great, you know, we're living a little bit on the edge. It's just a phase. We go through these beautiful phases in our life and we get to explore who we are. Mm, Yeah. Well, that's beautiful that you had a mother that held space for that you know, <laughs> numerous yeah. times, all kinds of faces, purple hair, blue lipstick. Army <laughs> school. I remember wearing handcuffs clipped to my boots. And the teachers said I wasn't allowed to bring handcuffs to school. And again, my mom was in the office saying, okay, why? And what is the reason? And mm-hmm. let's understand this. And if she never takes them off of her boots and they're just, you know, like, so it was, it was an interesting dynamic to watch her um, you know, give me the space to be unique and different. But at the yeah. same time, I always felt like I didn't fit in. I always felt like I was just mm. out there somewhere else. And that led me to do lots of different things. I studied fashion design. I moved to Vancouver. I then moved to Toronto. I lived in the big city. I worked with designers. I ended up going to Asia, uh, just, you know, getting off the plane, starting to find manufacturers. Uh, I've always been an adventurer, started traveling at a really young age yeah. and just never took no for an answer. Wow. Yeah. So I can see you've always pushed your edges a little bit of just like feeling your way as a human through this world and and how to be in it, right? And how to find a sense of yourself within that. Yeah. And fascinatingly enough, I had a very opposing father. I had my father was very much against all the things that I did. He always was criticizing. He had this Mm -hmm. famous saying, give your head a shake. That's ridiculous. Give your head a shake. Give your head a shake. And I used to think as a kid, like you give your head a shake, like, (laughs) like we can do this. It's possible. Like, let's try it. Like, and so, uh, you know, it took me a long time to understand his limitations and his, his framework. And that that was his, not mine. And I didn't have to follow his framework. I needed to follow mine. And of course, it, you know, caused lots of flows and ebbs in my relationship Mm -hmm. with my father. But looking back, I want to thank him because he gave me the the push and the Mm -hmm. resistance that I needed that I was going to face in the rest of the world. Being a business owner, doing global companies, working with people internationally, working with things, contracts, you know, negotiations, all those things you need to have some resilience and you need to have a stiff decision and you need to be able to decide what's best for you. And he gave me that from a very young age to just really, really work on the integrity of me. And, you know, this year is all about impeccable integrity for me. We have to be Mm -hmm. living in impeccable integrity for ourselves, for humanity, for all the things that we're doing. Yeah. Wow. That's really, um, I love when we can look at our stories And I'm sure it took you a little while to get to that point, right, where we can begin to see the gifts and especially those edges, those harder relationships and experiences that we've had in our life. 
Absolutely. And that relationship with my father set me up for relationships with mates and partners that had similar dynamics and similar, you know, things that I needed to solve and spent, you know, decades, uh, you know, in marriages that I had to really question, ask and look in the mirror at myself and how I was showing up. And I learned a very good lesson. You always got to clean up your own side of the street (laughs) before you try somebody else's. And so just did the work I needed to do on me so that I could show up in the best version possible and still have tons to learn. But just every day, if I'm working on me, then I'm doing a little bit more for you, for my authors, for the people around me and Mm -hmm. a beacon of light that it's possible. We can all reach our greatest dreams and our greatest desires. We just have to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. So beautiful. And it's very reflective in how you're showing up now and what you're inspiring in all of us. Um, And it does, it does take us walking through it though, right? It does take, especially as women, as mothers, as partners, um, it's a journey for us to really invest and understand that caring for ourselves is the only way forward, right? To cultivate our inner soils, right? So that we can find our way through like all that identity searching that you were doing, right? Mm -hmm. As an individual and probably in a relationship to figure out like, what is that true essence of who I am and how I'm, I I want to show up in the world, despite all these hats I'm trying to wear and all these ways I'm trying to show up. And, um, and I wonder like what, through your relationship, was there an opportunity for you to really emerge and blossom forward into Mm. today even, you know? Yeah, Yeah. well, I'm one of those people that believes in love. So I've been married more than once and more than Mm -hmm. twice. And I, I I look back and what I realize is a lot of my relationships were very much negotiations and more like a business arrangement or more like there was a, a benefit for me and a benefit for them. And there was a benefit that could come of it. And so that was beneficial. And yes, we had fun and yes, we loved each other, but it wasn't really the kind of love that I was really understanding what love meant. And that did send me into some tough relationships. I would say my last relationship before this one, I did get involved with somebody who was into addiction and who did have some real problems. And I remember keeping thinking that I can fix this. I can solve this. I can love this person enough. I can make it better for them. And Mm -hmm. it became very codependent because in my business success and my personal success and the success that I was achieving, I felt like this person was just another project that I could fix and figure out and strategize and, and compartmentalize and, and do all the things, realizing that who am I to do that for another person? It's not like, who do I think I am that I would have the responsibility of deciding what is it for that other person? And so really had to do some life lessons for myself about it's not up to me to work on someone else. It's up to me to work on me and how I show up gives people the opportunity to be a reflection of me and show up what's best for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a journey, right? I I think um, we think we're so responsible for other people's outcomes until we get to a point where we realize we really don't have that much control. No, and why should we? I mean, it's very ego driven that like, you know, how I perform and how I think and how I act and how I show up is how you should show up. And if I just do this for you, you should do this too. And so it was a real awakening that, 
you know, the only person I'm hundred percent responsible for is me. Even my kids, I wrote a children's book, not a children's book. I wrote a parenting book mm. a few years ago called enjoying parenting. And that was my own journey of realizing like my kids are not, you know, a, a reflection of a mold that I perform for them. I really am a custodian of my children to help them through the trials and tribulations of this experience called life. Mm-hmm. Not to decide how they should be and show up and act and perform yeah. and what education and jobs they should do. And so in the process of leaving that marriage and in the process of spending time with my kids, I really was humbled to like, what is my role here? What's my role here? Mm-hmm. And how can I show up? And when I show up the best version of me, it allows my kids and my partner and my clients and all the people around me to show up in reflection of that. And if they don't, that's totally okay because we all have to go through the journey. Take me 10 years ago, people would have been like train wreck, <laughs> you know, what is she doing? And so yeah. we, we have to go through it to get to it. Yeah. 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 That's a nice way of saying that. I love that. And we, and we share that when I shared my journey, which the book will be out soon um, of my walking beside my daughter struggles with addiction. We share that commonality of, mm-hmm. of what it's like to walk beside someone that's struggling, right. And realizing we can't love them into wellness, right. It's their journey to do, but also both. And we've shared a little bit in conversation having like you, you do go into the darkness with them a few times before you realize that's their journey, not mine. Um, and and all the shame and vulnerability that comes along with that. Um, can you share a little bit of, of, of that journey for you and how you moved through that? Yeah, I mean, I, I really have a kicker. I was in a relationship with my high school sweetheart for three years. And our, our relationship ended when he broke into my house in the middle of the night and beat me up and put me in the hospital. So I left town when I got out of the hospital and went on with my life. And 27 years later, he reached out to me on Facebook to reconcile and apologize Mm -hmm. and, you know, do his 12 step program. And part of it was reconciling with me. When I was 17, the police came to the hospital and asked me, you know, who did this to you? And, And I was too scared to say I was too scared to press charges because I knew what would happen to him. So 27 years later, I meet him again, and I was divorced and a single mom at the time, and that romance percolated right to the surface again. Mm. And we were married very quickly, and we thought it was, you know, the stars had aligned and fairy tale ending, and everything was perfect. And 15 months within within two weeks of our marriage, he was already showing real violent signs. And 15 months later, he had taken me down an incredible rabbit hole of abuse and assault and battery and theft and prostitution and drugs and alcohol and suicide attempts and recovery. And all that time, I just kept trying to fix it. And I was incredibly embarrassed and shameful that I stepped back into this relationship Mm -hmm. when I kind of already knew what what kind of person he was, but I thought he had changed. I thought it was Yeah. And I did, like you said, I went through so much shame and so much anger and so much frustration and so much wanting to fix it, obviously coming out of a a divorce previously. And I really had to fix myself. Like I had to put the oxygen mask on me. I had to 
be my own life preserver and for my kids. And I'll say the one thing I learned the most by attending AA with him was if you're not okay, nobody else is okay. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not okay, my kids are not okay. And to mm-hmm. this day, my kids, 14 and 17, they still are incredibly scarred by just 15 months of a relationship with that person. And I wrote a book about it, not yet published because it's taken me a lot of time. But what I want to say is I have such compassion for women because I didn't know how to get out. And my book is called Fighting Your Way Out because I kept trying to get out and get back in. I got out and then I wrote rewrote back in. And it was fascinating to me because I was affluent. I was supported. I had a great family. I had a job. I had a house. I had money. I had great friends. And I still couldn't extract myself from this Mm -hmm. to save this person. And I feel so much compassion for women who don't have the ability, the resources, the, the community, the support that I had how hard it is to get out of these kinds of relationships that, yeah. in, you know, evolve, involve, evolve, include in addiction because it becomes addictive. You become also addicted to yeah. saving them. And so yeah. there is a lot, there's a lot to it. To just fast forward, when I, I lived in a lot of shame and I never told people that story and I lived and I told you, you know, my base call, yeah. baseball cap moment. I used to walk around wearing a black baseball cap and I would just hide underneath it. I didn't want anyone to know who I was. I felt like everyone in the whole city knew that that's the battered woman. That was the woman mm-hmm. who was, you know, who was assaulted. They didn't, of course. It just was in my yeah. mind. I felt like yeah. everyone through me. And it really started, and my publishing house and my mission to tell stories started from the shame and the hiding that I had for my own story. My very best friend didn't even know that was happening to me. Mm. So many of my kids' parents, my kids' friends' parents, who I would see at school or coaching practices or PTA, they had no idea that I even had a a husband that was in rehab. And I just kept it all hidden out of shame Mm. and fear and my own disappointment. Mm -hmm. The great thing is when I started to tell my story and share my story and confess my story and ask for help and and put my hand up and say, this is happening to me. So many other people came out of the woodwork and admitted that the same thing was happening to them or something similar, or they were willing to help or they were willing to support or they were just willing to listen. And suddenly the shame of all of that was lifted because I was able to share my story and people love me for it. And people love me because of it. And so I want to share with any of your listeners, if you have a story that you are hiding and you're ashamed of, when you share your story, when you tell your story, you truly transform your life. When you tell your story, you transform, you heal, you reconnect, you understand, you listen, you learn, you see the silver linings. And I'm grateful in many ways to that relationship because it was the the kick in the butt and the precipice. It was the crawling over broken glass that I needed to stand up for myself, stand up for my kids, stand up for my future. And it was, you know, the catalyst for me to understand that we all have a story. Every Mm -hmm. single person on the planet has a story. Mine just happens to be that yours is something different. Somebody else's is something different. But the basis of the story is the perseverance, the dedication, the devotion, the willingness to stand up and say, I want a better life. I want to live differently than how I am. And that's the story that I think everybody needs to hear. And that's the story that pulls us all forward. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for just sharing that so openly, because it is amazing what people carry around, you know, and even, 
you know, even my daughter with for years with, that we were unaware, right? And that it is shame. And I love, um, you know, that idea of of shame, how how heavy it is to carry it around, and that when one can finally speak it, and someone can empathetically hold space for it, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 feel that discomfort. And I say this because. I don't know. I was raised of a generation of like trying to happy up things like, oh, well, let's just try to make this feel good. And I think the idea that some stuff just doesn't feel good and that's okay. It's not supposed to feel good. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. It's okay. It's, but it's also part of our human journey. It's, yes. it's just part of being human. And I think when we can share as you did so, so beautifully and, and to see how resilient you are. In fact, it informed your journey and your resiliency. And, and you saw that even in your relationship with your dad and even, yeah. And so it, it, you know, if we're curious and open and we don't allow it to shut us down, like for a while you hit under that baseball cap, your fire is too bright to stay there. Right. But we just have to find our way to what that, you know, however we can put it out there. And I think too, like for me, and I'm not sure for everybody, but I had some karmic restoration to do. And so mm-hmm. when I was 45, 46 years old, you know, when he, the second time he broke into my house and assaulted me, he'd already done it before. The next thing I did when I could get up and put myself together was go straight to the police station. I drove mm-hmm. myself to the police station, scarred and battered and bruised and bloody with my tor- clothes torn. I went right to the police station and finally had him arrested, you know, 27 mm. years later. Yeah. And he did go to jail and it wasn't like a revenge and it wasn't like, oh, I got you. It was like putting things in karmic order because the truth be told, and some I hold this dearly that at 17, when he didn't know any better, if he would have got help at 17, mm. I potentially could have put him on a better path. Mm. I potentially could have helped a young 17 year old boy who didn't know any better who was just mirroring his alcoholic father, potentially I could have helped him back then and I could have put Mm. the karmic wheel in order. And so years later, when that happened, I don't feel like I got what he deserved or he, you know, I was paid him. Finally, I don't feel that. I just know that it was time for me to put the karmic order in place. And at the same time, potentially give him the accountability that he needed that he didn't ever really get at a young age and now 20 years later. And so there was some reassigning of meaning and value for me. Mm. And at the same time for him, because I, I, when you read my book, there were so many other women that came out of the woodwork that I found out about other things that he had done to other people. He has, you know, children with two other women he's done. He's just repeated this over and over and over again. And Mm -hmm. at some point, um, and that's his journey, of course, as you know, every, everybody has their own journey, Mm -hmm. but it was really important for me to see that I needed to hold value. And, you know, my 14 year old, she's amazing. Um, she had a friend at school sort of being literally couple months later, the friend came back and said, Oh, I'm really sorry. Can we be friends again? And my daughter said, we can be friends, but never as close as we were. And I will always hold you at a distance because of the way that you treated me. And I was like, wow, wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, the karmic wheel has also turned for my daughter at 14 to not be allowing anyone to treat her like that. And my son, 17, he just recently has a girlfriend and I'm very careful to watch how he treats her. And I see 
you know, his personality towards her. And it's in reflective to what he witnessed was done to me. And so he is so kind and so conscientious and so aware. And I said to him when he was 12 and he was watching the abuse, I said, this isn't a great, you didn't get dealt a very good card. This Mm -hmm. isn't a great hand that you've been dealt, but here's the thing. It's going to make you a great dad. It's going to make you a great husband. It's going to make you a great father. It's going to make you a great coach, a great teacher, a great mentor, because you're never going to want to have that happen to your kids or to your wife or to, you know, anyone around you. It's a tough lesson to learn at 12, but it's going to benefit you and make you a great man. And so at 17, as he's getting his first girlfriends, I'm seeing him already using what he's learned to be a very, very good boyfriend. Oh, that's really beautiful. I mean, I guess that is part of... um... Well, it shows how you are as a parent able to really, you know, be open and honest, right? And share the the things and not hide and bury them for them, mm-hmm. right? So that they can also learn and emerge into the the best versions of themselves based on and, that. You know, thank you for saying that because as they hear me talk about my story and share my story, they know it's okay and they know that it's yes. helping people. So it's healing yes. them too. Right, right. Because we don't, I mean, shame is just grown by silence and secrecy, right? And so when we blow it out there, which I think some people like, even this podcast was first called Zen Mom and the Addict, and it would make people go, you're going to say that out loud. And and honestly, when my daughter suggested it, I was like, are you sure? Really? But, but, you know, I think, you know, I've, I think it's become more and more important that we, we do call things in or out, however you want to look at that just to normalize the imperfections of this journey, but also the incredible lessons, right? That we can gather depending on how we choose to be with it. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Her, kudos to her bravery because it isn't necessarily a label. You know, it is something that it is something that, um, that is a part of a person's life. And we know many people have lived addict free or have lived, you know, in recovery And I really like to lean on that. There is this process of recovery. This is this process of self-growth. I'm in recovery in many ways after I got out of that relationship and probably in recovery every single day because we all live with the, you know, the messaging and the oppression of of what we've learned from teachers and coaches and and television and magazines and all those things. So we're always sort of living, uh, pushing forward into our greatest version because there's a lot of things um, against us. Not against us. Here's the thing. It's not against us. It's meant to teach us. I say to my kids all the time, like, if you came to earth knowing everything, what fun would that be? The process is in the learning. It's you got to be excited to learn. And I always say every single human emotion is pinned to your birthday suit when you were born. And the interesting thing is when you sign up to become a human, <laughs> you come to this earth as a human, yeah. and you're willing to feel every one of those emotions. So betrayal and anger and frustration and resentment are just as a list of feelings. So is love and joy and blessings and passion and all of that. And the truth be told, if you can just accept the fact that here's an incredible experience that I get to feel human emotions, because this whole process of being here is to be human and feel what it's like to be human. My soul wants to know the human experience. It's not biased towards any of those emotions. Mm. It's like, okay, this is what betrayal feels like. Oh, this is what elation feels like. Oh, this is what doubt feels like. This is what shame feels like. The soul is just hungry and excited and elated to feel every emotion on both ends of the spectrum. And so Mm -hmm. nothing is being done onto you. You're not being blamed. Nothing is condemning you. This isn't a cycle of experience that only is going to be in your world. The truth is your soul wants to feel it all. 
You mm-hmm. just have to decide if you're going to like set up camp and stay there. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and like, you know, yes. get the mortgage and be in, in doubt and regret. Or if you're going to be like, okay, I felt that I got that. And now I'm going to move on. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for putting that so well. Um, it's, it, that's a beautiful um, summary of, and, and, and an evolution and an evolved soul to be able to recognize that. But um, hopefully for anyone listening, and we'll talk a little bit about your tools of resiliency, but really just beginning to see that um, they're all opportunities for our personal evolution and awakening. Yeah, all the things. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to just have you talk a little bit about, so I had asked you this and, and you're referred to as the pink billionaire. And I asked you a little bit about that, and I'd love for you to share how that um, came to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they call me the pink billionaire. Actually, I was just in Vegas and Salt Lake City this last past week, and yeah. there's the pink billionaire, and the pink billionaire, and the pink billionaire. And of course, it's a persona. It is a part of an evolution of me. But what's happened for me is I wanted, you know, we all want wealth. We all want money. We want millions. We want billions. And as I unpack that, because I'm a very strategic person, what I realize is that billionaire status, that billionaire, it's not 100% about the dollars. Yes, to be a billionaire, you need those zeros at the end of your bank account. But if we were to expand that a little bit, there's this billionaire consciousness. You have to have an awareness. You have to have an understanding, a belief system that goes beyond you. To be, Just think about it. To become a billionaire, you've got to be thinking billion people. You've got to be thinking in, in, in the zones of countries and, and you know, nations. You've got to be thinking long term. You've got to be thinking about generational wealth. And a lot mm-hmm. of people want the billion dollars, but they want it for themselves. You know, they, I want a billion dollars so I can buy the Lamborghini and I want a billion dollars so I can do this. The truth is billionaire, that level of billionaire really awakens something in somebody's heart that goes far beyond just themselves, far beyond their family, far beyond their, even their own life. And so I really wanted to awaken people to what does it mean to be a billionaire? So I had to call myself the pink billionaire so that I could have this conversation with people to say, why do you want to be a billionaire? How are you going to impact a billion people? And we love and hug and touch and laugh and have impact points, billions of them in our lifetime. My kids have made me smile a billion times, I'm sure, since they were a baby. Mm-hmm. And so we have this ability to be billionaires Because if we think about it, we can impact a billion lives with memories, with hugs, with smiles. Of course, I added pink to it because for many years, I've been an entrepreneur in the man's world, in this masculine energy. And I tried for a long time. I used to wear a suit and a tie and carry a briefcase and and Mm. be very, very, very masculine and think that I had to act masculine. And at the same time, aspire for that corner office and that tough grind and that, you know, that fear that all your employees had not me, not at all, not the feminine energy. And when I truly embraced how feminine I was and how I, I care about my team. I care about my customers. I want collaborations. We laugh, we giggle. Maybe we even cry a little bit We're you know, that's the way we are as women, but we can be powerful in that also. Mm -hmm. So I talk about fierce and fabulous and feminine. And so pink billionaire was really born to show women that they can make that billion impact and they can be a woman and they can be a woman in business. And so I, I love during COVID because a lot of people said, you know, you, you should stop calling yourself the pink billionaire. You shouldn't be the pink billionaire. People are struggling. They can't even pay their electrical mm. bills. Like don't call yourself the pink billionaire. Mm. 
my PR team was like, you shouldn't be the pink billionaire. And so I kind of thought, oh, I, I better not. I listened to them again, listening to somebody else instead of listening to self. The interesting thing was when I wasn't being the pink billionaire, I wasn't working as hard. I wasn't trying as hard. The pink billionaire mm. actually makes me show up. It makes me work harder. It makes me give more. It makes me get up earlier. It makes me realize that even though I have a sore throat, I'm still showing up because mm. that pink billionaire idea of who I want to become, you've got to be it to become it. Think mm. of Madonna. Think of Lady Gaga. Think of iced tea. Think of popcorn. Think of all the people who showed up already that before they even became that. Mm. That's the message of the pink billionaire. You've got to be it to become it. You don't just call Madonna didn't call herself Madonna when she became Madonna. She showed up in that little bar in those little dirty small towns in those little, you know, five seater, you know, taverns, whatever her story is. She showed up Madonna the day she decided she was going to be that because she saw the vision. She saw where she was headed. And so for your listeners, wherever it is you want to get to look at Muhammad Ali, he was already the greatest in the world before he ever was in the ring. So you have to be it to become it. You've got to say you're going to do it. And when people say, well, I don't want to declare anything because what if I don't get there? If I know that I can impact people, if I, if my goal, if my goal is to ignite a billion people with a billion lives, my goal is to have seven billion ignite moments shared. If that's my goal and I get halfway there or a third or two thirds, that's success. That's an absolute success. If I just help a hundred people or a thousand people or 10,000 people or 997,000 people and I don't quite make a billion, am I a failure? No way. Mm-hmm. Totally a success. And so I just want people to strive and reach and put that bar up and be who they want to become because they can get there if they decide to declare it. Oh, I love that. So inspiring. And it also turns on its head this, this fear that people have to set a goal in fear that they might not reach it. And you're almost saying set a ridiculously high goal right? Yeah. (laughs) And then as if it's happening now, right? Claim it. Yeah. And then be it every day, be it and then be it every day. Yeah. And people say to me, like, you're not a billionaire. And I always say not yet. And anything is possible. And God only knows if God gets to decide if I'm going to be a billionaire with the zeros, but I already feel like a billionaire. I feel like a billionaire because when I think about the billionaire consciousness, billionaire consciousness, and I'm writing a book about it is all about the freedom, the ability, the willingness, the impact, the things that you can do when you want to become a billionaire because you want to fly a spaceship to Mars. You want to be a billionaire because you want to touch a million lives in, in 24 hours with the packages at their front door. So you have an idea and a system and something you want to create because you want to impact people in a positive way. And so that billionaire feeling, that emotion, that willingness, that wantingness, that comes first before the zeros. And Mm -hmm. so I want people to dive into that emotion and that feeling and that compelling driven reason to do something. And guess what? Then the zeros show up. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, if you talk to most billionaires, they're they're not so caught up in the zeros. They're caught up in the impact. They really, Mm. really want to make an impact. I just spent some time with two billionaires. This this last couple of days, the first female black billionaire ever, uh, JDH, incredible woman. And she is all about impact. She never talks about the zero. She talks about the people, the hearts, the families, the communities, the things that she's doing. And so it's, it's really inspiring to have that consciousness. Now, 
for your listeners, you can have the multi-million, you can have the five-figure consciousness, the six-figure consciousness, the seven-figure consciousness, but the truth is it's a belief system. It's a mindset. It's an understanding of where you can go, what you need to do. How do you overcome your limiting beliefs? Where are you headed? How many people do you impact? Those are the things that actually truly create wealth. Mm, nice. Um, when I'm, when I'm hearing you talk so in, so inspirational, I'll say again, um, and I, and I come back to like finding meaning and purpose, right. And what, what this is about everyday gurus, um, people that are finding meaning and purpose. And would you say, and clearly you are, um, <laughs> and you've shared your story of, of struggle that like really just has encouraged you to push your edges more and more. Mm-hmm. And I see that in some of the challenges and we'll talk about your biking and uh, some other things that I've seen you do just in the time I've known you to really push the boundaries, mm-hmm. which sounds like something you've done from a very young age, actually. Um, but there's also this inner guide and this inner knowing, right, that you tap into and all this energy you put out. Is there a way or a practice that you come inside to hear that guidance because you can impact in a lot of ways, but you've become really clear on how you want to impact. And, and well, is that, yeah, sorry to cut you off. I mean, I immediately think of Sunday school. I immediately think of a very young age. I remember hearing six years old, God wants you to have everything. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting in Sunday school and she said, God wants you to have everything. All you have to do is knock and the door will be open. Ask and you shall receive. Mm-hmm. There is a room full of presence. God has a room full of presence pa- wrapped up for you. One of my authors talked about this. God wants you to have everything. I just, I remember that so distinctly at six years old and that faith has pulled me forward. God wants me to have everything. Now, does that mean God wants me to have a Lamborghini? I don't know. But the thing is, I'm going to do the work to get there. And God is absolutely going to guide me there. And so spirit, universe, God, all the guys, all the energies, universal power, higher, you know, creator, all of those things are working in my favor. I believe that so strongly. The fact that something is against me or something is pulling me back or something wants me to fail It's just not in my consciousness. I believe that God wants me to have everything. Now, do I have to work for it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do I have to show up for it? 100%. Do I have to pull my socks up and be a better person? Absolutely. Do I have to trip and fall and get the mud off? 100%. Do I have to learn how to be the person that's going to have that? Yes. Do I have to be humble? Do I have to be introspective? Yes. So it's not Mm -hmm. that God wants me to have everything and I don't, I just get to sit back on my lawn chair and wait for it to show up. God wants me to have everything but I need to do the work to get there. I need to, and, and it, a lot of our authors, you know, as, you, as you've been sharing, a lot of times authors are like, well, can someone just write my story for me? And I'm like, no, you have to write your story. You have to do the work. You have to dig down. You have to find all the little crevices and nuances because when you do, you are so empowered. And that goes for business, that goes for relationships, that goes for parenting. You have to put in the work. If you want a great relationship with your kids, you've got to put in the work. God will give you everything, but you've got to put in the work. You've got to put in the effort. Does that mean you need to read books, go to classes, go to coaching, go to training, get counseling? Yes. Want a great relationship? Does that mean you have to show up? Do you have to work hard? Do you have to have a great body? Do you have to be healthy? Do you have to fix your finances? Yes. God wants you to have everything, but to have that everything you have to be willing, you have to want it, you have to have the desire. And so I just learned that at a really young age that God Mm -hmm. wants me to have everything. 
I still have to do the work and the work has to be mine. And the only way I'm going to reap the benefits of it is if I do the work. And I think that's one of the things that's really happening in our society is a lot of people are just saying, let me press a button and it'll show up. Let me hire a VA and it'll just get done for me. You know, let me just go online and create an app and it'll all work out. It just doesn't work that way. Life is not. And I was just in Vegas. It is not a, you know, one of those, you know, put your things in the, in the Flat machine. Yeah. Lottery. It's, it's not that. Yeah. That is not life. That is, that's a very fictitious idea. You need to nurture it like a seed. You need to plant it and love it and care for it and give it all the sun and nutrients that it needs for it to grow. Mm-hmm. And we each and every one of us has to do that for ourselves. We have to turn the mirror on ourselves. How can we grow ourselves? And mm-hmm. because you are born perfect, you are born amazing, you are born magnificent. There is no one like you. Your 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 story, your experiences, what you do, everything you've learned, that's all just fabulous training ground for the magnificence that you're going to become. There's mm-hmm. no comparison to anyone else. We all have, there is enough for all of us. There is so much wealth out there. We could all be billionaires 10 times over. Mm-hmm. So this mindset is just something that was never taught to us. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't we weren't conditioned to think that way. We were conditioned to think you have to save, you have to scrimp, you have to compete, you have to push people aside because there's only room for one. That's not the truth. That is not the truth. That's not the consciousness that I believe wealth creates. Yeah. Wealth being so many things, right? The richness of life and relationship and how the way we really light the path for each other. Yeah. And the pink billionaire talks about currencies of success. Women especially have a very different currency of success. We like collaboration. We like humanitarian. We like yeah. working together. Our currency of success is very different than what is in the masculine energy. And that's mm-hmm. totally okay. My son was saying something to me. He's like, oh, I met this, you know, my coach. He's not very much of an alpha male. And I said, son, if the whole world was filled with alpha males, <laughs> they'd yeah. end up eating themselves. Like, it's just not possible. You have to yeah. have alpha males and you have to have beta males and you have to have feminine males. You have to have the whole gamut. Just like you have to have turtles and giraffes and lions. It can't be all the same because that's how life is designed to be symbiotic. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. can't all be the same. And our success can't all look the same. And our journey mm-hmm. should not be all the same. Yeah. If I could share one thing with your viewers, never compare yourself to anyone else. Because their journey is designed to be different than your journey. And your journey Mm -hmm. is designed to be exactly what you need. Mm -hmm. Which is the power of the work that you do to bring people together to tell their stories. And part of, I think, these compilation book opportunities that you give is that, and I was on a call with someone this morning who just feels like, you know, she got deep in her wounds to tell her story. And so she feels like, I don't really feel like my story is that uplifting, but then we talk and we share stories and, and, and we rise each other up to like, it's a deep wound for us, but the scar, like they say, like, come from a place of your scars, not your wounds. Right. And I think part of this journey is creating so much healing as you, as you get deep in the remembering, but then we can collaborate and rise each other up and be like, Oh my gosh, that was so helpful to me. I didn't walk that path of you, but what you've shared, I can identify with so many pieces, yes. right? You know, cause we all think we're a little more wounded or a little more broken than everyone right. else. And, and this idea of being able to write and share and sort of land our plane and give it some, um, you know, some 
some of that fertile ground to land on and then hold each other in a space. Again, all the things that you've described you yourself moving through in your journey, your vulnerability, your shame, your immersion, your discovery of what's truly important. You give that opportunity through this Ignite experience for those of us that are um, have the opportunity to come on board and do that. I mean, it's just, it's such a beautiful a gift that you are giving out. And thank you so much. Well, I want to debut something on your show. Our my yeah. our book showed up, and look, I have oh. a copy of it. So beautiful! <laughs> it is so so gorgeous. Here are all of our amazing authors. We have yeah. beautiful. We have a detachable bookmark, and we love showcasing our authors and showing up their beautiful amazingness. And so, I just want to say thank you to you and to mm-hmm. all the people who write their stories stories for me are the common denominator amongst us all. You know, there's nothing about us that's similar, except the fact that we all have a story. We all came yes. from, we all walk some particular path. And when we can share a story and it allow, and I, I like to think of it as a flashlight, the flashlight to your path, someone else's story mm-hmm. is not, you know, the bulldozer for your path. It's the flashlight to show you what is possible on your own journey. And so Lovingly, congratulations to all the authors who are mm-hmm. in this book. We have 20 books out in the Ignite series. Over 700 authors have come through our platform. I am honored to share each and every story and help people curate because the neat thing about Ignite is we all have these Ignite impact moments that define us, particularly like for me when I was a kid, you know, something happened to me. My dad said something to me and it set me on a trajectory of acting and living my life in a certain way. Later in life, I had an Ignite transformation moment that allowed me to see like, that's his story. That's his upbringing. Mm -hmm. That's his limiting beliefs. I don't need to do what he said. I don't need to be the person that he labeled. And that transformational moment later in life allowed me to look at the impact moment from a new perspective and assign Mm. a new meaning to it. Many of us have things that happen to us and we feel like, well, I'm bad or I'm not enough or I'm not loved or I'm not cared for. They were trying to hurt me or they didn't want me to succeed. We attach some meaning to it often at a young age because we just don't know better. And later in life, when we have this ignite moment that awakens us and ignites us into a new understanding, we can heal that traumatic moment and we can see it from a new perspective, a compassionate, loving place. And that is healing all over. It's like our cells recalibrate mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. healing and understanding. That's why Ignite is so powerful in what we do, because we make you do the work to find your story, to uncover your story, unpack your story. But we allow you to really recognize the healing. And then we take it one step further because your healing now becomes the flashlight, the medicine for somebody else in their own healing. Mm-hmm. And so it's really that triple win, win, win for reader, author, writer, a company and the ripple effect of all the people who are going to benefit from their story. And stories are like seeds again, for the person that you were talking to this morning, her story is going to be planted in other people's minds and it's going to germinate for as long as necessary. And then one day that story is going to be exactly the thing that's going to sprout (laughs) and spark somebody else's learning. We've all had it happen to us in books that we've read. And so our books, Ignite books, my goal is that they are designed to be that, that absolute spark in someone else's life to set them exactly where they want to go to become the person they dream of being. Yeah. So beautiful. And um, so you have another book, this is being launched on March 14th. May 14th. Um, I mean, May, sorry, May 14th. 
Um, and so, and I've shared some of that and I will continue to share with my um, listeners how all the ways they can support this journey and celebrate it with us and with me and my first uh, public publication um, as an author. Yeah, so exciting. And um, and also invite others that are interested. I always say, if you're wondering, like, am I a writer? Then you're a writer because you wouldn't yep. be asking the question <laughs> if you weren't. Um, so, and the next opportunity is Ignite Forgiveness. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So many people have stories around forgiving others or forgiving self. That really was the Ignite moment that freed them from a lot of the shame that we're talking about. And so Ignite Forgiveness is starting up right away. People can go to igniteyou.life and look at being in Ignite Forgiveness. And some of the next books we're having Ignite uh, Your Purpose. Many people have been ignited Mm. by looking for their purpose. We have Ignite Your Faith, which, as we all know, stepping into faith of, of any religion or of any kind of faith is truly impactful. We have Ignite Mm. Your Creativity. Many, many artists and people who are stepping into their creativity, they've had an Ignite moment to leave that corporate job and become an artist or to just go against the grain and and really seep into their creativity. We also have Ignite Your Courage, which we know many people have shown incredible courage. Mm -hmm. And so all of those books are opportunities for people to share their story. And I just want to say being in a compilation book is truly an incredible experience. You get to surround yourself with other people, 35 other authors come in and you show up and you don't know what their last name is. You don't know what they do for a living. You don't really care how much money they make because you immediately know their Ignite moment. They're vulnerable, authentic meaningful moment in their life. And that creates friendships and camaraderie and community Mm -hmm. like no other. Our community is fantastic. I'm so proud of our community. I think it's the best thing about Ignite. Mm -hmm. But then of course, we walk you through the incremental process. We get you to the finish line. We help you with your story, your editing, your writing, your marketing. We do all of it for you. Of course, we give you 50 copies of the book and we just make it a beautiful process. And it's a real honor for me to spend time with every single author, helping them craft their story. It's so empowering. And that's why they call us the uh, leaders of empowerment publishing. Yeah. And truly having just walked through it. um, It's just like one gate opens and the next one opens and what seems overwhelming becomes um, so possible. Mm. And then you, you write your chapter, but then, um, you know, then I now am experiencing what happens next, you know, what, how how the book comes together and how the launch works. So anyone that's like, even if you want to write your solo book, um, I I really think this is, this for me has been exactly the right place to start. Absolutely. We kind of break the glass ceiling for you. So you get all of that experience and understanding and awareness. We really pull back the curtain and show you what publishing is all about so that you Mm -hmm. as the author benefit. I published my first book in 2003 and was, you know, received, you know, one tenth of what I should have for my book because my publisher Mm -hmm. got everything and what I realized, okay, I'm not going to do that again. And I want the process to be beautiful and empowering and I want you to succeed. And so um, I really do show you how to then step into your solo book. But I will Mm -hmm. share also just because of what's coming up. I have a new book coming up called Ignite Humanity. And more than ever, I am so committed to igniting humanity. And I feel like with everything that's been going on in the last two years, we need to see the power of the human story, the tenacity, Mm. the perseverance of each and every person. And so our next book, Ignite Humanity, it's starting in June. 
and it's going to be tethered with a movie that we're doing. We're doing a documentary of, uh, of igniting humanity and showing these incredible stories of people around the globe and the things that they've done, their ignite moments. Uh, and in conjunction with that, my husband and I are cycling 10,000 kilometers from coast to coast. Wow. Uh, we're taking this incredible journey on our tandem bike. And the reason I do that is I want to show people what's possible. I want to show people that you can put one pedal in front of the other and you can reach your dream. But at the same time, I want to show people the incredible individuals that we meet along our cycling journeys. Last year, we cycled to the top of the world in Alaska. The year before, we cycled to the parliament buildings in Canada. And the truth is, we met the most beautiful people with the most amazing stories, with the most incredible hearts. And I want to show humanity that side. I want people to see that. how incredible humanity is. And so that book is going to be really, really special. Uh, I'm going to try to break the Guinness Book of World Records with that book, have as many people as possible in a compilation book. So if you would love to share your story, ignite humanity, be a part of our documentary, get involved in the impact that we are making, uh, you absolutely can check it out at igniteyou.life. Thank you. That's so exciting. I didn't realize you were doing a documentary with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And also, isn't there a challenge that other people can participate in as you're biking? Can yeah, talk we, about that a little bit. Absolutely. We have this incredible app that is 10,000 kilometers and you can use your Fitbit or your Garmin or just go in and manually log in your miles and you can come along the journey with us. You have a little pointer system that will show where you are on our 10,000 K ride. And we, if you swim or bike or run, you can uh, collect your miles and come along the journey with us. We have race medals for everybody, but we also wanted to take it a step further and people who are reading you can log in for every hundred words you read, you get a mile and people who are writing. So for every hundred words you write, you can log in a mile. And so you don't just have to be physically, you know, coming with us doing exercise because we're a publishing house. Reading and writing is magnificent and you can <laughs> track your kilometers with us through your own reading and writing. I love that. So amazing. Well, you continue to inspire me and so many others, JB and I just appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. Yeah. And share everything. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share before you've shared so much, but if there, is there any other little parting nugget you might want to share? Yeah. Let me give your listeners a tool. So every morning when I wake up, before I even open my eyes, I ask myself, what's going to make me happy today. And I really listen to my soul and I really listen to my spirit and I really listen to the very first thing that comes to me. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't necessarily go for like, it made me happy if I went to Paris today or it made me happy if I woke up and there was a bag of money on the front door. It's not that kind of thing. It's what's going to make me happy today. And sometimes it's just spending a little bit of extra time with my daughter at bedtime or going to my son's basketball game or having a really nice dinner with my husband. Those little things that my body tells me is going to make me happy today. When I wake up, I make sure that I do them. I literally commit to doing them. It's so important that you value yourself and value what makes you happy. Your body, your soul is listening and watching you and how you treat yourself. And so when you say it's going to make me happy today to go to yoga class, but then you fiddle around and procrastinate and blah, 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 and end up not going. What you do is you're telling yourself that you're not important and you're not of value and you dot your word to yourself. 
Mm-hmm. You've got to be your word to yourself first before you can be your word to anyone else. Before businesses and collaborations and clients want to show up in your life, they will when you have the energy and the commitment to being your word to yourself. So lie in bed, keep your eyes closed. Don't touch the phone. Don't do any, literally ask yourself, what's going to make me happy today and listen Mm -hmm. and then structure your day, organize yourself, get yourself on task so that you can do all the things you need to do and do what's going to make you happy and get the muscle going and activated that every single day, you're going to do something that makes you happy because why else are we doing what we do? If we're not doing the things that make us happy. We can't be grinding. Our body is not designed to just be pushing it out and grinding it out and doing everything for everybody else. So it's a very good practice to get into what's going to make me happy today. You can have a little piece of paper beside your bed. You can write it down in case you forget it. You can Mm -hmm. wake up and decide this is what's going to make me happy today. And then commit to doing that. Commit to doing that so that your body and the people around you recognize how you treat yourself is how other people treat you. So if my, if I'm going to wake up happy today and go to yoga class, and then I decide that, oh, I'm not going to go, guess what I show to my kids and my family and my spouse that that's that I don't value myself. And so next time I have a commitment, they're not going to take me seriously. They're not going to value me. They're going to treat me the same way I treat myself. So wake up tomorrow, ask yourself, what's going to make you happy, and then go ahead and make sure you do that. And then ask your kids what's going to make them happy. I ask Mm -hmm. my kids every single day and my husband, what's going to make you happy today? And they tell me all kinds of things. I want to do good on my test. You know, I want to spend time with uh, with my friends after school. And so as a parent, I know how to help them. I know how to assist them. I know how to also maneuver things so that they get their goals. Most importantly, it gets them thinking about what's going to make that they can create their own happiness, Mm -hmm. an app, a phone, a friend. uh, That's not what's going to make them happy. They're actually working their own self, self self-soothing, self-containing, self-activating muscle that they can do what it takes to make them happy. And so they get their minds working like, it's going to make me happy today to go after school and play basketball with my friends. And so I'm like, okay, what do you need to do to make that happen? How's I going to do what's it? They start creating the synapses to what's going to make them happy. And they realize that they have the power to make themselves happy. And that's a really important tool that we have to teach ourselves and teach our kids. That's beautiful. I think um, you've given a gift. I I don't want to, it's a mic drop there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, darling. (laughs) Thank you for being here, Jamie. So that wraps up another episode of Zen Mama and Everyday Gurus, of which you are one. And thank you so much for being here. I think our stories are powerful. They connect us and they make us stronger, right? Collectively, we can move forward and heal and find our way, find our North Star, and then maybe shine the light on the path for somebody else. Another way you can support this is to send me a rating, a comment. Those things help. If you know someone that might enjoy the podcast, please share. Additionally, uh, my website is marystreeter.co. You can find some other things over there. So thanks again for being here. Have the best day. Find something to celebrate. And don't forget the power of the plants.